I said, everyone picture your third grade teacher. Picture your third grade teacher. Now try to imagine yourself talking to her about sex. It's insane. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Kochenauer, I love this woman. She read us The Secret Garden and she did all the voices and I just adored her. But the <laughs> idea that she would have been sitting me down and talking about my genitals or whatever else is so insane. But look, I'm only 46, so it's only, we're only 40 years off of, of me at six years old. And look how far these things have come. Hey, Joyful Warriors, what an exciting episode we have this week. We have Dave Rubin, and I'm gonna let him introduce himself because I really hate reading bios when you have such an amazing character joining us. And he might be someone that's new to you uh, in the Joyful Warrior podcast world. We're moms, Dave, so we're super busy. Um, but uh, Dave Rubin, new dad, uh, former Democrat, new Floridian, welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Thanks, it's good to be with you. Actually, that is a perfectly fine intro right there. New dad. New Floridian, and generally happy warrior in this little <laughs> uh, existential battle we seem to be up against at all times. That's that's pretty yeah. much it. I talk about politics for a living, and I tell people what I think. And fortunately, it, it seems like some people seem to appreciate that. And then you see what happens after. Yeah. So I think our moms are going to really enjoy hearing from you. And I first want to say thank you to you because since you have moved to Florida, and I want to talk a little bit about that move. You have been so active in trying to help to raise awareness about the importance of the freedom that we have in our state. So I've run into you a couple different times. And so thank you for giving so much time. And um, tell us, what was life like in California for you um, and that move to Florida? Give us a little of, of an idea of what it's like to be a Democrat in California. Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, thank you. And as I often do, and you've heard me at, at various events that I've seen you at, as I often say in my talks, I really credit and want the OG Floridians to get the credit that they deserve because, you know, there was this meme of Florida man is just this guy wrestling an alligator with a cigar in his mouth on a golf course, pulling the crocodile's mouth open and the dog and the whatever, you know, as if Florida man was just like this crazy guy doing all this crazy stuff all the time. But really what Florida man knew is something very, very precious. And that is something that has something to do with freedom. Florida man was out there when it counted uh, fighting for the constitution and freedom of speech and freedom to not be medically coerced by the state or anything else. And Florida truly, I've been here for now 13 months and Florida is the, as our governor, our great governor calls it, the citadel of freedom in the entire world, not just the United States. Uh, I happen to live, I live in Miami, but I live in the freest state in, in the world. That is rather incredible. Uh, and it's governed by people that thankfully have been empowered by Florida men uh, to maintain that level of freedom. And 1,200 people move here a day and, and you know, I get it. Sometimes why when I meet new neighbors, they're a little worried, oh my God, they're from California, they're gonna come here and ruin the thing. And then I, I literally keep a picture of me and the governor on my phone so when I start talking to people and I can sense they're freaking out when I say I'm from Cali, I'm like, don't worry, don't worry, I'm friends <laughs> with this guy. And then it's all good. But it is, to directly answer your question, it is very, I would say basically 180 different, 180 degree different 
uh, from living in California than it is in Florida. You know, not only the, obviously the taxes, it, that's not why I moved. I knew that Cali had high taxes, wasn't what it was. Uh, the, the sense of freedom here, the joy, the smiles, the conversations, walking dogs and saying hi to people, uh, it, it, that sounds trivial, but it's not. Uh, when people are free, when people are left to their own devices to live as they see fit, that culture of freedom spreads into everything. And, and that really has been the main part of the, the experience here is just such an endless amount of joy. And, and what's really nice for me personally is that in Cali, I was always fighting against the machine. You know, I was campaigning against Gavin Newsom. I was working with Larry Elder. Obviously the recall didn't go well, but I was fighting against mandates and against lockdowns and all those things. Here I'm fighting for the state, which is really, I would say spiritually uh, much deeper. It, it, well, not much deeper because fighting against things is deep too, but it's, it's much more fun. It's much more rewarding when you're fighting for something and then that thing is being accomplished. So, so it's way different. So, and yes, I'm way happier here. Yeah, that's so interesting. So we have moms, as you know, all across the country, 44 states, and we've got moms in California. Um, so they're fighting for liberty. They're moms for liberty. Um, so I think... Uh, two things have to happen. I think you have to fight for something even when you're fighting against something, right? And so our moms are trying to do that. To your point, um, we talk about being a joyful warrior. You said happy warrior. Um, your children, and now you're a dad, are, are going to watch you, right? And, and they model you. And if you're always fighting against something and you're angry all the time, what message are you sending to your kids? Because that's a really toxic way to live, I would think. And so you know, we really feel for our California moms because you guys, and, and even in the school system, Dave, and you weren't a dad then, so I don't know how much you know about it, but yeah. really advanced in a lot of these different issues that are very concerning and encroaching upon parental rights. Oh yeah. I mean, look, I, I was not a parent when, um, when I was in LA, but, but the woke stuff was everywhere. And I was friends with plenty of people with young kids and they were telling me the stories of all the craziness related to diversity and then punishing white kids and literally like punishing straight kids. I mean, all, all of the insanity uh, everywhere there. I, I have incredible sympathy uh, for anyone that's watching this, listening to this, that is a parent in Cali or a parent in New York that is fighting the machine. It is a worthy fight. It really is until it's no longer worthwhile for your own life. That's the thing. When it becomes too encompassing, and I think what happened for me was I fought so hard, it's so publicly, for the recall against Gavin, against lockdowns, and it all just kept coming. Gavin won in a landslide, the lockdowns kept coming. I started, little things started happening. You know, I would, I would go to the supermarket, you know, I'd go to, uh, uh, what was the supermarket there, Ralph's, and I'd look around and I hated everybody because everyone was in the mask, everyone looked miserable. And I remember walking out of the supermarket about two months before I left, and I thought, this is not right. It's not normal to be wandering around thinking that you hate strangers. And that's in stark contrast to coming here to Florida where quite literally the first time I went to Whole Foods, my first shopping, when we got the new house, I had about $400 worth of groceries and I was being mobbed by people saying hi to me, taking selfies, and a woman tried to pay for my $400 <laughs> worth of groceries. I was like, lady, you cannot buy my groceries. But that, that difference, yeah. and again, that is connected to freedom. It's connected to, oh, someone seeing me and being like, oh, you know, Dave fights for the things that I believe in. I, I wanna help him out with some groceries. That's very different than what was happening there. But I would say to any of your, uh, the moms out there, if you're fighting in a place that all 
the time you're losing in. Like you're just not getting any wins. At some point, I get it, you've got kids so it's hard to move because you've got kids and your kids are playing sports and they're in clubs and maybe your in-laws are in town. And But everyone has their own threshold of what they can handle. And the other thing for us was because we knew we were having kids and we had two surrogates on the way and I'm happy to talk all about that if you want to, um, I knew there was no way in high hell that I was gonna raise those kids in LA. So that was the other move that was gonna get us to the, to the free state of Florida. So speaking of that, you, uh, I heard you used to be a stand-up comedian, is that true? I used to be funny a long time ago. And then the <laughs> Democrats took over, took your heart ruined for everything. A little bit. <laughs> well, so, but the question, so you're a dad, you have twins now? Uh, so technically we have, they're, they're two months apart. So I have a five okay. month old and a three month old. So we had two surrogates. It was, it was okay. quite an operation, yeah. So no in doubt. life, they'll basically be twins. They'll be thought of as twins and in school, but technically sure. they, are not, they are not twins. Okay. And that's probably an important distinction for them too, honestly, because, you know, being a twin and sharing that space is, is a little bit different, I think. You know, it's, I think it's interesting. So that's an interesting distinction. But I come from a, a family where we had two adopted siblings and, um, and, and then my brother and I were biological siblings, but our brother and sister were raised, you know, from babies in our home, went together with us. And there was never any difference in any of our, you know, love for each other or anything. So um, I'm just a, you know, I have a lot of love and, and I think, you know, families look as you, as you build them and love is the, the heart of it. Um, but I do have to ask you back to the comedian part. Do you, do you have any good dad jokes? Have you thought of, <laughs> have you been working on your dad jokes? Well, you know, there's, uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, pooping and crying and screaming here. And now we have kids too. So you can see that's a dad joke for you. That's, a, there that's you go. an interesting there dad joke. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple for you. I asked some moms um, if they had any jokes that their husbands tell and, or that, you know, so, and I got a couple. So here's a couple for you. Okay. Um, okay. You ready? Uh, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Why? In case they get a hole in one. It's a good one. Kind of right. How do you, <laughs> please, please. How do you follow uh, Will Smith in the snow? How? You look for the fresh prints. Fresh prints. Thank That's you. Good. I'll leave it there. I feel like those are two gems if you take anything <laughs> away from this interview. Thank okay. you. I will tell those to the children and be thought of as very funny one day. Yeah, well, you can practice your material on them because the kids just love any interaction. You could sing to them and you can have a horrible voice. You can tell yeah. jokes. You can, you know, I used to walk through the supermarket and just be like, this is an orange and just talk to them the whole time. And that's the, honestly, as moms and dads, that's the best thing you can do with your baby um, is talk to them as much as possible because they love to hear your voice and it expands their vocabulary, right? That's, that's one of the things I've been doing a lot, especially so Justin is our oldest. He's five months and Luke is, uh, is three months. One of the things I've been doing with Justin a lot is I'll just kind of wa wander around the perimeter of the house and we have a nice property here with a lot of cool trees and interesting little nooks and crannies you can walk into in little sort of in encompassed areas with, uh, with a lot of greenery and I pretend we're in the jungle and I just kind of make up silly stories. Obviously, he's not quite speaking English yet, but you know, I can see that, you know, you can oh. just see that glimmer in his eye of just of pure wonder and, and just watching the world be absorbed into him. And I look yeah. forward to when he can, you know, we can do that together and he can tell me what's on his mind as we wander into our magical jungle. That's so nice. I think that's beautiful. And babies love to be outside. That's one of the best things, honestly, about raising kids in Florida. They're outside all the time. And yeah. I grew up for a short time in New York 
until I was eight and then moved here. Um, and so I consider myself kind of an OG Floridian. Um, right. But uh, yeah. I think Florida if you're plus a, 20 years, that's yeah. OG. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm OG. I got it. Yeah. I, I'm OG. So yeah. um, a couple questions. Um, so you moved to Florida. You enjoy being here. You talk about, you know, the fact that people get scared uh, when people are moving from other states. Um, you know, when Ron DeSantis ran in 2016, he only won by like 30,000 votes, right? Yeah. And so I just always try to remind people of the fact that, um, you know, that's, that you really can change the momentum uh, and the political, you know, future of your state um, fairly quickly, you mm -hmm. know, when you think about where he is now. So um, we try to give a lot of hope to our moms. Um, but what do you think about what you're seeing? I, I've got to ask, uh, coming out about the school. So did you see this latest Project Veritas drop at yeah. all? Um, you know, I know you stay pretty current. So, um, you know, I was on a couple spaces with them talking about it. What do you think about what you see happening in the public schools in America today? Well, it's interesting. First, just quickly to address the, the election situation with DeSantis, who went from, as you said, 30,000 votes we, I mean, we were literally 30,000 votes away from having a meth addict as our governor. The other guy turned out to be a meth addict. What, uh, I forgot his name, whatever his name Gillum. is. Doesn't even, the, uh, Andrew yeah. Gillum, right. Yeah. Doesn't even matter. He's a footnote in <laughs> yeah. history and Ron DeSantis hopefully has a very, very bright future. He went from 30,000, which was basically nothing, you know, less than 1%, to a 20 point win and he turned virtually the entire state red. Did he do it through hate? Did he do it through being mean or authoritarian? He did it literally by talking about freedom. When, when the government, the federal government, and I would say the worldwide government across, across the globe decided to do all of the worst things possible to us for years and lock people down and kick people out of schools, put stuff on your face, inject you with stuff, he just said no. He yeah. just said no. And I think that's probably another good lesson for, for the moms that are listening. It's like at some point, you gotta say no. They'll keep moving on you and they're always gonna keep moving. There, there is nothing that you can feed them that they will be satiated. You could give them whatever concession you think to have them stop for a little while. Oh, I'll give them a little wokeness or I'll nod to this or they can do one little class that's not quite true about American history and that'll be, no, it, it, it will come and come and come that you will keep moving. And it'll even keep moving here. I mean, that's why he's doing such a great job of codifying a lot of this stuff into law related to wokeism and what's going on in schools and everything else. Uh, I'm not surprised by any of it. I have to say I'm very enthused by the blueprint, you know, the event that I last saw you at, I think yeah. it was called, is it called Florida's Blue Blueprint? Is that what they call blueprint it? Blueprint for Freedom, I think it was. Blueprint, like blueprint, blueprint yeah. for Freedom. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful uh, message because the idea is if you have a blueprint, you know, if you're building a building, you need a blueprint to put that building together, to give it a solid foundation, build something that will stand the test of time, that hopefully you can expand upon and change over the years as needed, but that the, the foundation is strong. He's doing it here, and then what you see is, as I'm sure you know, the last couple of weeks, there has been a tremendous amount of good stuff happening in the school choice movement. Uh, mm -hmm. Kim Reynolds in Iowa is basically going full on in on school choice and vouchers and funding students, not systems. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who just now is becoming the governor of Arkansas, she's two, two weeks in on the job. She's immediately going for the school stuff. Uh, we know this is happening in a bunch of other red states. And I think unfortunately what's gonna happen is the red-blue divide is just gonna keep going. There's nothing that can stop that uh, entropy at this point. So I wanna ask you about that because a lot of these issues that we're dealing with, 
um, with the gender ideology and the parental rights issues. You know, I did an interview today with the Washington Post and I finally said to the reporter, I was like, where are the Democrats on parental rights? Like Democrats are parents too. And I feel like every parent has a line here. So where, how do we get the politics out of conversations that are really just human issues? Because I, I think, you know, even like HB 1557 in Florida, right? When you looked at the polling on that parental rights and education bill that said no sexual orientation, no gender identity instruction in grades K through three, the polling on that across the country, Republicans and Democrats was close to 70%. I mean, and even some of these other issues, I hear people say, well, this is like an 80% issue. So how do we get there uh, as in the future of our country? Well, it's t I would say at a nation, at a national level, it's almost impossible. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I think that the, I'm shocked actually that you spoke to someone from the Washington Post because they're not gonna treat you kindly and they're most likely gonna ignore anything that you said that was valuable and they'll try to take one quote of yours out of context. That's just how these things operate. I'm a glutton DeSantis. for punishment, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. I don't do it anymore, but but we've yeah. all been there, right? And you, you because it's it's hard to believe that people's motives are so bad. So the Washington Post calls you up for comment on a on a school choice issue or something, and your inherent uh, reaction is, oh, this is the issue I care about most. I will gladly talk about it. Unfortunately, there's just no doubt when the article comes out, it is not going to be painting you or Moms for Liberty or any school choice thing in a positive light. That's just that's just how the machine works. To DeSantis's credit, this is why he's no longer talking to mainstream media. He is completely mm -hmm. ignoring them. I hosted the, or I co-hosted with Lisa Booth, the Sunshine Summit a couple months ago, which is a big Florida Republican event, and they locked out all mainstream media. But guess what? Everyone in the audience there, hundreds and, and ultimately thousands of people over the course of the two days, have phones and people put video up and you just completely go over the mainstream media. So I don't know that any of this can be fixed at a national level. I, I Yes, Democrats are parents too, uh, but unfortunately, the average liberal in America in 2023 or the average Democrat in America 2023, they're seemingly okay with wherever the line is drawn. They, they just like the idea of being accepted more than standing up for whatever belief system they have or had at one point. And I think that that's part of the problem. You know, they're, they're for the thing of the moment, always. And it's very hard to back out of that. So I think what will happen is the red states will start, well, they've already started, but the red states will strengthen their schools because they will get a lot of the woke stuff out. And they will, yeah. these kids will learn a decent education. They will not learn neo-racism. They will learn an honest assessment of history, which of course includes slavery and all of those things. And in the blue states, they will get a very warped sense of what America was, what America is, and what America could be. And I don't know how you arbitrage those two positions in a place called the United States of America. The kid who is learning something in a great school, you know, Miami happens to have a couple of really great public schools right now. Uh, the kid in Miami who's in fifth grade learning about American history is going to learn something very, very different than the kid in San Francisco at a public school in fifth grade. The kid also in San Francisco going to public school probably has to walk through a whole bunch of fentanyl and homeless people to get to the school. That's a whole other thing. But I don't know how you put those two kids together 20 years later as adults and think that they're living on the same planet. Well, interestingly, the uh, superintendent of Los Angeles, uh, LAUSD, is the former superintendent of Miami-Dade Public Schools, Alberto Carvalho. And so he did some good things in Miami. There is no doubt. There are some other things I didn't like when, when push came to shove and it was, we needed to put students first during COVID. Um, I think he was bullied by the union a little bit. 
and uh, took up some political positions, uh, but he did do some good things for student achievement. And so I'm really hopeful in LA that uh, those students will get, you know, that the union there is very strong, um, but that he'll be able to push back. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I hate to tell you yeah. it's not gonna happen. Like, yeah. it's just not, it's just not gonna happen there. Everything that LA can do to go the wrong way they do. Uh, just look at their last mayoral election. No one in their right mind that lived in LA thought this place was being run right under Garcetti, who obviously was a, a progressive Democrat lefty. No one thought he was doing a good job. You'd go there, you'd be in the nicest areas of Bel Air and there'd be homeless people wandering around in drugs and people have seen all the videos of the break-ins of jewelry stores and all these things. And yet they decided to then vote for someone who is even more left, uh, Karen Bass. So. There's no evidence that in some of these places, the real strongholds, that it's gonna stop. Ironically, the, the, the celebrities that live there, who all live in the hills with you know, fences and staff and security and everything else, they send all their kids to private school. So they seem to not care about the, the, the average person who's you know, watching their movies and buying their, their products as their kids you know, just get destroyed in public school. So let's talk about the future of America. You've been so gracious with your time. I, I just want to talk a little bit about um, some of the global influences that we see. And there's always this question of how much influence does what happens in Davos with the World Economic Forum or what happens in the United Nations and UNESCO, um, how much influence that really is having on uh, American policy and the Biden administration right now or any other presidency for that matter? Um, and so just some thoughts from you, because, you know, our moms are super engaged and smart and they're watching Al Gore, like lose his top on stage, like, for, you know, so how much is what is being discussed really going to drive what's happening in America? How, how concerned should we be? You know, it's interesting. About an hour ago, I just interviewed uh, former secretary of state and former head of the CIA, Mike Pompeo. Uh, who obviously was un under the Trump administration and it sounds like he's probably gonna run for president himself. And I asked him that because obviously as Secretary of State, you know, your, your job is to communicate the ideas of America and America's interests across the world. And yet we seem to have these globalist organizations where people from America and virtually every country on earth show up to not represent their own countries. They show up to represent these globalist ideas that just one government should sort of run everybody. His answer was sort of interesting. It was actually a little bit hopeful. He said that he does think a lot of it is just sort of bluster and nonsense. Like they just throw out these crazy talking points and they sort of know that a certain amount of it isn't gonna come true, but they just do it. But he also acknowledged that, look, it's very obvious that a lot of the policies that they talk about do get instituted in places like Canada. Look, you know, if you look at the draconian lockdowns, if you look at the freezing of bank accounts, um, that Justin Trudeau did, these are ideas from the World Economic Forum. These are the ideas that they're pushing for right now. It's why they want everyone to have a digital ID and a digital wallet. It has nothing to do with security. It has everything to do with control because once they control your wallet, literally your digital wallet, and they can decide how, what money goes in or out, or you gave to this cause, not that cause, this campaign, not that campaign, man, they own you. They own you yeah. at that moment. So the, the freezing of bank accounts of the truckers was, was a little test on that. So these things have seeped into all parts of society. Uh, but that's another reason that living in Florida right now is so great because this is something Ron DeSantis is talking about. He is doing everything he can to make sure that Florida is not gonna work with companies that have ESG as part of their uh, policy. You know, ESG is basically the social credit score that the companies have to have. Um, so th they're doing a lot of things here to fight against it. 
it is real. And I would say then this is consistent with everything else I say on the show. The only thing you can do really is, yes, there are gonna be some good politicians every now and again. And we here in Florida are super blessed in that department. But the only thing you really can do is build a good home and build a good community and a good family and have that solid foundation. And when, and when the poop hits the fan, hopefully you've built out enough at the ground level that you, you can survive it and, and get to the other side of it. Uh, but as I said before, these guys are just not gonna stop. So um, we've been talking a lot about gender ideology. Um, our moms are talking a lot about it because it seems like every day we're hearing a, a story of either our own child or someone else's child that is being confused about their gender by either social media or actually some of our government schools. Yeah. And we're really concerned about it. I went on Dr. Phil not long ago um, and Tina and I did, and, and we kind of had this debate about um, gender ideology in schools. And um, it was a really interesting um, to talk about this issue and, and talk about parental rights because a lot of this is happening in the schools today, but they're keeping it from the parents. They're locking the parent out. And they're saying, you know, we know your kids better than you know your kids. I said in the interview that my children do not need a sexual spirit guide at school. That if my kid is gay or my kid is straight, that is my business and their business. And I'm not raising my child in any different matter based on their sexual orientation. And a lot of our moms feel like, you know, the sexual orientation of a child should be the least interesting thing about them. They should be you know, playing sports and getting involved in learning about different interests that they might have. And, you know, so what could, what any advice or any insight into what's happening right now around this yeah. issue in our country? Because it's a hard thing to talk about with people, especially people that might disagree with you. Right. Well, first off, I would say you better talk about it because again, they are going to keep coming. And I'm sorry if it's hard to talk about. These are your freaking kids. I mean, I can tell you as a, as a father of a five-month-old and a three-month-old, you're looking at these kids and they, they are a blank slate, basically. You know, I actually, without getting too existential on you, I do believe that humans are born with a certain moral code sort of deep within them that can kind of be unlocked. But, that, but the basics of a, of, a, of a child that is born on this earth is blank. And it is your job as a parent to fill that up, hopefully with something good, so you give them the tools to live a good life. The idea that when my kid is five years old and I send them to kindergarten, that the kindergarten teacher could decide to call Justin, who is a boy, Justine, and not tell me about it for months, and that that would somehow be okay, is absolutely 100% insane. And if you live in a place that there is any chance uh, in high hell that that is possible, you it is your duty as a parent to get that kid out of that school. And if you don't do that, you are in dereliction of duty. So you only have to look at yourself. If, the, if you know this is going on in your community and you don't do anything. And I get it, it's hard to move. It's hard to fight the superintendent and you don't wanna be called a bigot and a transphobe, but it's your kid. So if, if you think something's more important than that, I, I, at, at this early stage in me, for me as a parent, I don't know what's more important than that. So you must do something about it. And, and we did do something about it here in Florida. And then what happened? Ron DeSantis won by 20 points. He did yeah. not do anything bigoted. He did not, the, the word gay was not in the, the bill, as you know. And it is no, I, I think I said this at the Blueprint event that I saw you at a few weeks ago. I said, everyone right now in the audience, there are a couple hundred people there. I said, everyone picture your third grade teacher. Picture your third grade teacher. Now try to imagine yourself talking to her about sex. 
It's insane. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Kochenauer, I love this woman. She read us The Secret Garden and she did all the voices and I just adored her. I thought she was 150 years old. She was probably maybe 60. But the <laughs> idea that she would have been sitting me down and talking about my genitals or whatever else is so insane. But look, I'm only 46. So it's only, we're only 40 years off of, of me at six years old. And look how far these things have come. So it is your duty and your responsibility. I'm sorry that it sucks. I'm sorry that the people before us fell asleep at the wheel. Um, but if you allow your child to be subjected to this stuff, then do not be surprised when your son comes home and says he's a girl and, and then you have the litany of problems then. And, and let me just say one other thing about this, because you know I, I toured with Jordan Peterson and you know, he's really the, the best thinker I think we have on planet Earth. One of the things that he talks about, and he was a clinical psychologist for 30 plus years, is that first off, gender dysmorph dysmorphia, is, it is a real psychological condition. He acknowledges it's a real psychological condition. It, it affects something like 0.0001% of people. So first off, the fact that we've made it like this, this massive thing that we're all talking about all the time is seriously scary. And the reason that is, is because so many gender activists have been sent to the schools to do just that. But Jordan's point on this is, even if your child genuinely is one of those 0.0001%, whatever that number is, that first off, it doesn't give the state the right to be doing anything to your child that you don't know about. That's number one. But then the child and you as the parent have to think about, okay, let's say it really is true. You have a, a son who at his, somehow at his core belief believes he is a girl. If you do all the hormones, all the injections, all of the surgeries, the idea that somehow on the other side of that, that child will feel whole, the jury is really out on that one. And actually there's a lot of evidence that it won't be uh, because you'll never look exactly the way you want. Your body parts may not function the way you want. There's all sorts of stories of, of pains and all kinds of stuff. Surgery's not going right. So you really have to be careful, even if you fully acknowledge that this is a reality and it's a very minor reality, just because you do all the stuff. And I would say that in essence, it's a modern day conversion therapy, because yeah. most likely, I think what's happening with a lot of these kids is you're seeing a somewhat effeminate, maybe six or seven year old boy, and instead of saying, oh, maybe that kid will be gay, but maybe not, there are effeminate straight guys and there are, you know, uh, straight acting gay guys. But they're basically saying to a bunch of effeminate boys who are six, you're, you're not actually a boy, you're just a girl and here's what we're gonna do. I mean, it's, it's conversion therapy of, of another type. It is, and even more than the idea of, of a child, you know, showing, you know, stereotypical, I mean, it's so regressive, the idea that you would base this on stereotypes of, of biological right. sexes, That's but the it's irony. so regressive. These, <laughs> it's so regressive. These are the people that say sexuality doesn't matter and everyone can be anything and you're a unicorn and a wizard and all those things. But if you like Barbie, you have to be a girl. And right. it's like, it's well, ridiculous. wait a minute, which, which way are we doing this, guys? Yeah, and the, and the thing that I think, you know, our parents are really coming to understand is the fact that this is affecting a lot of the most vulnerable children, children with autism, our most sensitive kids, um, you know, artistic kids. So um, I always, you know, I think about if, if you're going to fight a, a culture war, you have to create a counterculture and we have to give these kids some places to go. And I know you work with a bunch of different people that are creating content. Um, and I think we, you know, my, if you could help us in any way, I'll just say, you know, creating more content for um, teens to be able to find a place, you know, where 
they can have community and, you know, and, and enjoy each other without a lot of these threats, I think would be uh, wonderful because they definitely have come for our kids, Dave. And I'm uh, thankful that you are in this fight with us. And I am thankful that you joined us for the Joyful Warrior podcast today. You can be an honorary Joyful Warrior if you'd like, or join a chapter actually, because you're a dad now. So, you know, you don't have to be a dad to be a, a member of Moms for Liberty, but we'd love for you to be a member. <laughs> that sounds good to me. You guys are doing great work. You know, I love seeing you at all these events and, and it's like, we just got to keep going. Just keep going. Take care of your own, get your own house in order, keep going. And, you know, for those of us that happen to live in Florida, we have the benefit of a really nice machine that's helping us do this right now. But I would say to anyone that's watching this in Cali, in one of these places, it's like, if you don't have any evidence that it's turning around and you've tried, then you might have to think about something else. I know it's not the most fun thing to think, but when you, when you get to a place where it's working and you realize how easy it is, because it should be easy to be a decent person and raise a decent family. It should be easy if the system is healthy. Uh, and when you get there and realize that, then you go, man, wh what was I doing there? So I think everyone just has to kind of look in the mirror and see what their role in all of this is. I totally agree. And if you're listening to this and you're inspired to start a Moms for Liberty chapter, go to our website and, and check it out. Um, we have chapters all over the country. So thank you so much, Dave Rubin. It was a pleasure to speak with you and I hope we get to speak again soon. I'm sure I'll see you wandering around the free state of Florida. Later.